Hi, this is Maria of realpyramidtext.com. This is our third blog talk. You can find previous um, broadcasts on our channel at Real Pyramid Text. At the end of the second blog, we saw how where before Eden became the dry place, having separated the dualistic realm, now in turn Edfu became their dry place when the Eden dimension receded. The Karnak Temple of Horus mirrors uh, the new land that the Watchers were constructing above Eden after she fell. We can see in the temple's hypostyle hall um, that that was where Horus was carried to the roof, uh, representing that he was now standing upon Eden. The sanctuary of the temple being their second fields, the heaven of those watcher gods, what the Greeks called the Elysian fields. Both the sanctuary and the hypostyle hall are marked in the blog slideshow picture. After Eden fell was their festival, completion of the solar plane, um, commemorating this, which is called the glyph Heb. In the last blog talk, we mentioned several concepts, which we must break down this time. The first being that we mentioned how this present solar plane in space was started, um, and that this space and solar plane have the nature of their realm of dualism, um, the Tao symbol. Please remember, though, that we're using three different main concepts here when we talk about areas. The first one as this solar plane in space, which we know and can see as our reality that we live in. The second one is the parallel dimension of those watchers as their dualistic Tao realm behind our reality. And the third as the parallel dimension of Eden being a non-dualistic realm also behind our reality. And both of these, the Tao and Eden realms, interfere with our everyday visible reality. What we posed is that this reality that we are in now was created, effectively caused by their Tao realm, since the mechanics of this solar plane and space is based upon dualism. A first important theme of these mechanics is magnetics, as the oppositions of attracting and rejecting, which principle shows dualism. Um, and related causal relations to this are hot and cold, high pressure versus low pressure, etc., showing a closed system of dual extremes as cause and effect, where one object or theme is causing the object, uh, opposite reaction or theme. Science tries very hard to break uh, down this opposition model by trying to um, break down the strong force, as they name it, being the bonds between certain atoms. They succeeded partly in the splitting of atoms, uh, something that we know as nuclear fission, but they know very little about the consequences and internal mechanics of what they're doing. The topic of gravity may well be the strangest of all. Since gravity is not just related to this mysterious strong force that I mentioned, but it's also immediately linked to consciousness. We are not wanting to present an entire discourse about this theme of consciousness, but it is very obvious that another realm does not obey the so-called laws of nature, 
which count in our reality. A second important aspect of this dualistic reality is the serpent coil, a standard concept by which much biological life grows. Physically, we see examples of this circling on itself in the Fibonacci pattern, um, a design um, whose concept we can see in the DNA molecule, which may be expressing that when it produces copies of itself. There's a chart in the slideshow uh, showing examples of the serpent coil where we can see this in the spiraling curled effect in a seashell or in a fingerprint or in a fern or the pattern of seeds in a sunflower where each tiny element is basically a fractal of an even larger similar type vortex pattern. All of these being energies directed by that serpent realm and getting its energy from there. The nature of this model is it returns into itself as the snake eating its tail, um, which I mentioned in the previous blog. Metaphysically, this concept depicts a rotating type consciousness, a revolving consciousness because, quite literally, it is revolving around the own self. The self is in the glyphs depicting, uh, depicted as Tesh, incorporating the serpent glyph. The revolving type consciousness of their Tao realm is often mentioned in the Egyptian spells and is immediately linked with the revolving reality uh, as we see it um, on this earth because the biological creations of the Tao realm can only function inside a revolving environment. Our revolving type reality literally is but a consequence of their revolving type consciousness, the dimension which is creating it, and which is the typical nature of their Tao realm. But their realm is completely opposed to Eden's realm in its nature. Imagine that a woman or man you love is standing 50 yards in front of you. You love him or her and desire to see her as clearly as possible. But when a blizzard is starting, it will blur the focus that you can have of him or her. The example is a bit poor, yet this is exactly what is the difference between the Tao realm and Eden's realm. All of Eden's realm is focused upon the other, which is the real secret of love, while the serpent realm only cares about itself, not about the other. Therefore, the serpent realm type consciousness rotates around itself. To us, we experience this as some sort of rotating kaleidoscope uh, where the images are rotating around us and making us feel that we're losing direction and focus. This is exactly how the spells describe um, the way that they imprison the atomite originals of you and me. But that is for a next blog. Remember we said there are three areas. First, the solar plane and its physics that we live in and that we recognize as the physics of the material world. And then there is the Tao realm that fabricated this solar plane after conquering Eden, which we talked about in relation to Karnak and what Karnak represented symbolically, the standing atop of Eden by Horus. 
And then the third area is the Eden realm. Um, in relation to the solar plane, we talked about two aspects of its type of reality. The first one was magnetics and its cause-effect relations within a model of opposing dualistic sides. That model being a fundamental aspect of the solar plane that energy fields are interacting and that by force objects in the solar plane nature cause effects in each other, attracting and rejecting. And then the second aspect was the serpent coil, um, which is um, its revolving consciousness in the form of the self that imprisons atomite souls and that also directs how physical things grow. A third aspect of this solar plane and space um, being created by the Tao realm is willpower. We think that there are so-called laws of nature and we call these scientific facts. Yet we don't realize that these laws are installed by a certain willpower and that this willpower has installed certain models and concepts to form our reality here. This point ties in with the previous mentioned gravity being an aspect of the consciousness of the Tao realm. That we are incapable of creating things by speech or willpower does not refute the possibility that another realm could. Um, in the previous blog we mentioned how the book of Job described how God separated their dual realm and that after Eden fell how their dualistic realm started to create their world tree. So obviously the building of a reality must be possible. Moreover, Revelation tells how soon that tree construct that they have will implode. This book, uh, the book of Revelation, is describing one large rewind back to the original Eden situation. Either way, the nature of the Tao realm's willpower is rather hostile. It's a type of willpower which searches to conquer and expand because its nature is the self, the Teshglyph. It can hardly be coincidence that space as we knew it is expanding, and not only space itself is doing that, but compare the example of the many dictators that this earth has known, whose main goal it was to go conquer as many nations as possible. Perhaps you think this example is unrelated to the expansion of space, but consider that it is produced by the same Tao realm revolving around the self. When we understand that it is that self whereby we observe and think, then it's also clear why science can ignore the so obvious elephants in the room because she can but study space and biology out of the same mindset which made the solar plane. It's a sort of circular type uh, thinking and consciousness. Um, and, and that dual nature of that thinking makes the scientist's own thinking be the judge. While in many cases there's a ravine right in the center of the land of scientific facts, as we can see opposing theories which are somehow existing next to one another. Yet the situation appears very close to schizophrenic thinking. Um,
As an example, suppose that in the northern states of the USA, it was common to drive at the right half side. Yet in the southern states, uh, the law started to order that people should drive on the left half side. This does not have to be a problem as long as everyone uh, were to remain within their northern or southern half. But when they, uh, but if they were to start to cross over, then a chaos starts in the middle region of the country. That's an example, but it shows the dualistic thinking that the self is doing, uh, focusing heavily on one aspect and then ignoring the wider context. For example, Science is very proud to have come up with the famous energy won't get lost in a closed system, yet science ignores where the power comes from which makes cells and seeds to can grow. The power to grow certainly does not reside within that cell or seed. The cell or seed didn't self-generate itself. The cell only contains the type system it is a part of and will grow into. Worse, every biological organism is covered by a type of energy field. And that energy field is directing the cells to build up according to the serpent coil model. Like when the sprout of a tree starts to grow and its leaves appear around the stem in that serpent coil formation. The disqualifying of this energy field as non-scientific is but only because there haven't been devised any equipment to measure these fields. Nothing more. Um... So the so-called go-to line, well, we can't measure it, therefore it doesn't exist, um, may seem familiar to you. Yet many people um, experience things um, that are not scientifically verified on that principle, well, we can't measure it, therefore it must not get exist. Um, for example, people get sick by the constant bombarding of the cells in the body by Wi-Fi and similar type of radiation. But to start an investigation um, about this is very uncomfortable for science because the theme is linked to energy fields. However, an even deeper reason is that science is not even allowed to start sincere research on this theme because it has been the goal to have the people 24 hours a day glued onto non-events and trivial items instead. The Tao realm has its own reasons to subjugate um, people by its willpower for extension. Um, but that uh, topic is for another time. But let's go back to the uh, topic of energy fields. At first sight, it looks like a silly theme, but that's only because we are daily trained to adhere to uh, what is called solid scientific reasoning. There's information, though, on the Internet about people interacting with plants or people having grown beautiful plants while playing for them Beethoven daily. A large number of these people assume, therefore, that plants have souls and can respond to humans. Um, here at realpyramidtext.com, uh, we're considering that the responses of the plants are because of the interference with the energy field of that plant, and not that the plant would have a soul. However, uh, the point is the idea that... Um, the energy field of that plant could be interfered with. And that um, and other related uh, points about that show that 
scientific opinion about, well, just seeds growing and nothing more is at least um, incomplete. Um, in a Swiss TV broadcast from the early 80s, there were two doctors and they had performed experiments concerning the growing of plants. They planted seeds beneath a wire net of 4,000 volts. The result was astonishing. Um, not only were the, the plants that were growing in, and the fruits, not only did they get very, very large, but they showed features uh, that we thought had become extinct uh, eons ago. But what this shows is that there is likely much information stored within cells and seeds than what we know about. And that when the environment changes, um, this information can start to bring about different types of life than what we're familiar with. Compare recently the story uh, reported by the mainstream media um, of an astronaut who spent a year in low Earth orbit and that when he returned, he had a different DNA as his twin brother who had remained on Earth. And that story said that even though his uh, DNA, uh, some of it did sort of come back to the way it had been before, that there was some of his DNA that stayed different um, than that of his twin brother. Now, this um, YouTube of the Swiss TV broadcast, we used to be able to find it on YouTube a few years ago still, um, but since then, both the video and the website uh, that they had um, have become untraceable to us, buried between millions of nonsense videos. So if one of you stumbles upon it, please send us its link. Um, although, on the other hand, perhaps it's been buried on purpose. Now please, reverse in your imagination the aspect of time. Is it unthinkable that classes of seeds and cells were present at the time frames of pre-dryas and pre-deluge that we talked about in the last broadcast, and that since that deluge, the latter, around, say, 8000 BC, um, uh, being now part of our present solar plane reality? And finally, we must mention concerning energy fields the work of uh, the Japanese professor Masuro Emoto working with ice crystals. Masuro Emoto showed how the ice crystals um, bloom and turn magnificent when exposed to nice music or kind words, but crumble and get chaotic when violent music or angry words are spoken to them even though ice crystals themselves are a product of the Tao realm nature as dual triangle, the crystals as hexagonal form of that Tao realm. It shows, though, how their energy field responds to what humans are projecting upon the energy field of the crystals. If you're interested, a former professor having worked for IBM with the name Vogel was experimenting even before Masuro with crystals and showed how he could paint with crystals, crystals. That is, he placed a crystal film upon a plate, and by only his mind, he was able to make the crystals take certain forms. In coming broadcasts, we will see the incredible importance of the speaking by the Adamite soul, because this speaking is a speaking into creation. The theme is so important 
that we hope in the next blog to address this. So to review, it is more than probable that there is a parallel reality existing which has its own laws and concepts, yet of which we have often no realization about. Our main problem, however, of course, is that the Tao realm is much closer to our Earth and solar plane reality since she was the one having created this reality. And therefore, by definition, humans will make contact with um, their Tao realm more easily than they will with Eden's realm. Often the realms get confused um, concerning who is saying what. Sometimes when people are trying to understand ancient texts, but what we found at realpyramidtext.com is that all the ancient religions, from Egypt to the Vedics to the Aztecs and Sumerians, were but different versions presenting in a different setting exactly the same themes of the Tao realm. And as we said last blog, we can compare the different attributes of these texts and their themes um, to find out um, about the events. Example, in the ancient cosmology um, broadcast, the last one, we said that Hebrew scripture mentions the four horns in the book of Daniel that grew to the four winds of heaven, and that the Vedic cosmology depicts four elephants standing upon the turtle, which is Eden's dome. Ancient texts in their different way of describing tell of that transferring of aspects from Eden by that Tao realm, and the directing of every aspect according to that realm, whose nature and consciousness involves magnetics, that duality of attraction and rejection, and that serpent coil, revolving type consciousness, and that willpower that is extending and expanding. This is a different topic I now move to, um, but it is related to the duality of those watchers. One of the um, well-known themes that you may have heard of um, is a concept termed Nibiru. And you can find many videos and articles online about it. And even in the mainstream media, the MSM, this strange star occasionally pops up. But it is not an angry star planet visiting Earth every 3,600 years. Factually, Nibiru is the place of the crossing. That is its concept very akin to the Hopi's so-called blue and red kachina. These kachinas are then, per context, not havocing stars either, but are described as spirit beings, or better, as a type of spirit consciousness. And perhaps you anticipated what I'm about to say and, and feel it coming already. The blue and the red are the same components as the Tao symbol. If we would compare uh, that the attribute, right, this Nibiru concept, place of crossing, um, with Egyptian hieroglyphs, what we find is is that we're looking at the throat clusters, uh, which represent um, a kind of wormhole between the two places. Rather often used in the spells as glyph, het, or kek, etc., the Book of Gates shows a wormhole carried by seven deities, uh, the horizontal pipe uh, having a bull's horn at both ends of the pipe, and then the boat of Ra 
having to enter the wormhole and come back out through the other side. The whole idea behind this wormhole is the inversion from Eden's realm into their Tao realm. Or better, the aspects from the Eden realm become inversed by going through that wormhole. Therefore, this throat is often said to be heavily guarded because of its importance to them. And it is very likely that the term Nibiru describes this concept, even though much further context to the lines were in the word uh, Nibiru apparently has been used is lacking. However, in Hebrew scripture returns a similar theme by the expression of the Hebrew term Easter, uh, which festival will occur in a couple of weeks from now, not at the official presented date of this coming weekend. At the realpyramidtext.com pages, you'll be able to see in which context the term is being used. Namely, not as merely a passing by or passing over, but quite literally as the crossing over from one realm Edens to the other realm, understood as the passing through that wormhole to the Adamite souls imprisoned upon this earth within the Tao realm. That is the real importance of Easter. Um, That is the, the true meaning of Easter. Thank you. Um, I'm Maria of realpyramidtext.com.